Well, last Lord's Day, in the Sunday school, we looked at the 16th stanza of Psalm 119, verses 129 to 136. The psalmist helped us to truly live out our days, Coram Deo. Does anybody remember what that means? Yeah, that's right. We learned how to live out our days before the face of God. We read in verse 135, Make your face shine upon your servant and teach me your statutes. We learn that the ultimate reason we can live before the face of God now with the hopeful expectation of seeing God's face in the future, as Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. It's because Christ was forsaken. As it pleased the Father to bruise Him when He put Him to grief, when the Lord made His soul an offering for sin, the just for the unjust, when Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And as Habakkuk 3.13 says of the Lord, You are of purer eyes than to behold evil and cannot look on wickedness. We know that Christ was not wicked at all, but 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For He, that be God the Father, made Him, Jesus, God the Son, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. And we looked at it as R.C. Sproul said, It was no longer the Levitical blessing of number 6 for Christ that says, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. No, beloved, it was more like the Lord curse you and abandon you. The Lord keep you in darkness and give you only judgment without grace. The Lord turn His back on you and remove His peace from you. And as the song that we sang here today states, how deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure that He should give His only Son to make His wretch His treasure. How great the pain of searing loss the Father turns His face away. As wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory. Many would attribute this turning away of the Father to the time of darkness when Christ was crucified, when there was darkness over all the land from the sixth to the ninth hour, when Jesus cried out with a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Many would also say that Christ quoted an Old Testament passage, actually a psalm, Psalm 22. And I ask you to please turn there as we stand and we're going we're gonna to take a short break from Psalm 119 and focus on Psalm 22 this morning. And even though some theologians say that Christ quoted Psalm 22 here, I would beg to differ. I would argue that the psalmist David, inspired by the Holy Spirit of truth in this prophetic psalm, quotes Christ. Let's look at all 31 verses. Psalm 22. This is the word of the Lord. To the chief musician set to the deer of the dawn, a psalm of David. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? And from the words of my groaning, oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear. And in the night season, in my silent, but you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted in, in you, delivered them. They cried to you and were delivered. They trusted in you and were not ashamed. But I'm a worm and no man, 
a reproach of men and despised by the people. All those who see me ridicule me. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head saying he trusted in the Lord. Let him rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. But you were he who took me out of the womb. You made me trust while on my mother's breast. I was cast upon you from birth. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me for trouble is near. For there is none to help. Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They gape at me with their mouths like a, a roar, raging and roaring lion. I'm poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It has melted within me. My strength is dried up like a pot shirt and my tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of death. For dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierce my hands and my feet and I count all my bones. They look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them and my clothing. They cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far from me. O my strength, hasten to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth and from the horns of the wild oxen. You have answered me. I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, glorify him and fear him, all you offspring of Israel. For he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, nor has he hidden his face from him. But when he cried to him, he heard... My praise shall be of you in the great assembly. I will pay my vows before those who fear him. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him will praise the Lord. Let your heart live forever. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For the kingdom is the Lord's and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth shall eat and worship. All those who go down to the dust shall bow before him. Even he who cannot keep himself alive. A posterity shall serve him. It will be recounted of the Lord to the next generation. They will come and declare his righteousness to a people who will be born that he has done this. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We praise you for your word. Lord, it's, it's amazing just to read it. Father, I pray that you would help me. Fill me with your spirit that I may open my mouth as I ought. Oh, God. I pray your spirit would, would give everyone here ears to hear and hearts to receive your word today. We ask that you'd be glorified through it all. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Wow, what a song. Wow, what a savior. The inspired heading that is part of this psalm, the to the chief musician set to the deer of the dawn, a psalm of David. This is a song. We know the author is the shepherd, King David, but we aren't given the exact historical context of the psalm like we see in others. Like Psalm 34 that says, A psalm of David, when he pretended madness before, before Abimelech, who drove him away and he departed. Or Psalm 51 that states in its heading, To the chief musician, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. We know that was his psalm of repentance. And even though Psalm 22 most likely partially points to a time in King David's life when he felt forsaken by God, we're not going to concern ourselves with that, especially since the New Testament quotes Psalm 22 several times. In Mark 15, 34, Matthew 27, 46, John 19, 24, Matthew 27, 35, Hebrews 2, 12, with many other partial allusions to it. 
In Luke 24, 36 to 44, after Jesus' resurrection, while the others that walked with Christ on the road to Emmaus was explaining to the eleven all that had happened when Jesus revealed himself to them, verse 36 says, Now as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold, my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, Have you any food here? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and ate in their presence. Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all these things must be fulfilled, which was written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. No doubt Psalm 22 was one of his texts. Verse 45 of Luke 24 says, And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. And beloved, that is my prayer for all of us this morning. Psalm 22 can simply be broken down in two parts, prayer and praise. With 1 through 21 as the prayer and 22 to 31, the praise. So let's look at the prayer. And I want to inform you, we're going to fly through these first 21 verses with the bulk of our time spent in the praise, the last 10 verses. Look at 1 to 5. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear. And in the night season, I'm not silent, but you are holy. Enthroned in the praises of Israel, our fathers trusted in you. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and were delivered. They trusted in you and were not ashamed. Let us not forget Again, that this psalm is a song. And it was sung a thousand years before Christ's first advent. And it's still being sung while we wait for his second advent. But like many songs we sing, whether that be worship songs or not, they have the ability to resonate with us even though they aren't about us. Today, if you go on YouTube, you can find portions of Psalm 22, especially this beginning lament, the prayer, you can find it saying in, in Hebrew. It's really beautiful. This one particular video that I've seen, it had shocking pictures of the victims of the Holocaust. And it was quite fitting to see the words on the screen with the pictures of the victims of the Holocaust and to have somebody to sing these words. They were a people group that were hated by men and they were forsaken by God. In Psalm 137, the children of Israel had been taken captive into Babylon. And verses 1 to 4 says, By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hung our harps upon the willows in the midst of it. For there, those who carried us away captive asked for a song. And those who plundered us requested mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. Verse 4 says, How shall we, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? Now, I can only speculate here, but you can't tell me that when the Babylonians left, maybe they left them out in the field, maybe one of the Israelites began to hum the deer of the dawn. They all would have known it. 
It would have caught their ear. They would have known it. Then all of a sudden, as someone heard the deer of the dawn, they begin to think. They begin to look around. They begin to see where they're at. And they remember this song and they say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? And from the words of my groaning, my God. And even though the song fit their situation, it's not about them. It's not about them. Notice with me that even the psalmist feels forsaken and is temporarily forsaken. He hasn't forgotten his theology. Verse 3 says, but you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. He knows that God does not change. He knows God is a deliverer. He remembers the exodus. He remembers the, the manna in the wilderness. He remembers Gideon and Samson and Joshua. And the psalmist continues to pray in verse 6. He says, but I'm a worm and no man. A reproach of men and despised by the people. All those who see me ridicule me and they shoot out the lips saying, shake. and they shake the head saying, he trusted in the Lord. Let him rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. The Gospel of Matthew 27, 38 to 44 says, Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and another on the left. And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, You who destroyed the temple and built it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests also, mocking with the scribes and elders, said, He saved others. Himself he cannot save. If he is the king of Israel, let him come down from the cross and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now if he will have him. For he said, I am the son of God. Even the robbers who were crucified and with him reviled him with the same thing. Notice what the son of God prayed in verse six. But I am a worm. You guys in the oil field, a worm is a nobody. You're green, you're rookie, you ain't nothing. You don't know nothing. If the other rig hands love you enough, they'll write worm on your, on your hard hat, make you feel real welcome. That's not what Christ means. This word for worm, tula, John MacArthur points out, is the same word for the worm called the cocos illicis. It's an insect whose dried body is used to make an exclusive and expensive red dye. The same word tolah is often translated as scarlet or crimson in our Bibles. Just like Isaiah 1.18 says, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, tolah, they shall be as wool. Question. You suppose it was a coincidence that the cord that marked Rahab the harlot's window was scarlet? What about Judah's twin boys by Tamar? Genesis thirty-eight twenty-eight says, And so it was when she was given birth that one put out his hand and the midwife took a scarlet thread and bound it on his hand saying, This one came out first. Coincidence? The Son of Man continues to pray in 9 and 10. He says, But you are he who took me out of the womb. You made me trust while on my mother's breast. I was cast upon you from birth, from my mother's womb. You have been my God. 
Even though the world is ridiculing Jesus, even though he is despised by the people as they mock the Father and Christ trusting in him, the Lord prays, reminding the Father of his incarnation. The great promise of redemption found in Genesis 3.15, the seed of the woman. And he knows God has been faithful every step of the way, but now forsaken. Look at 11 to 13. He says, be not far from me, for trouble is near. There is none to help. Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They gape at me with their mouths like a raging and roaring lion. Be not far from me. Again, Dr. MacArthur likened these bulls of Bashan as great hosts of wickedness. The hounds of hell, if you will, who were surrounding the Lord. The powers of darkness who thought that they were winning. The Lord of glory who casted out demons left and right. That screeched in His presence appear to be winning. They're gaping at him with their mouths. Victory is so close, they can taste it. The Son of Man continues to pray in 14. I'm poured out like water. And all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. My strength is dried up like a pot shirt and my tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of death for dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierce my feet, my hands and my feet. I can count on my bones. They look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them and for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O oh Lord, do not be far from me. All my strength, hasten to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life, for the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth and the horns of the wild oxen. Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. He's dead. He's dead. The New King James is very close to the original Hebrew here. And there's a space in the text after wild oxen. The one who was dead is alive. The one who was forsaken was heard. For God did not leave his soul in Hades. He did not allow his Holy One to see corruption. Though he was dead for three days, the risen Lord said, You have answered me. You have answered me. The prayer of lamentation now turns to praise. Look with me at 22. I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, glorify him and fear him, all of you offspring of Israel. For he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, nor has he hidden his face from him. But when he cried to him, he heard. We need to get technical for a moment and deal with a few things. Number one, are we sure this prayer and praise is the Lord Jesus Christ? Some would say no. Some would say no. But what say the writer of the book of Hebrews? I ask you to turn to Hebrews chapter 1 with me. And we're going to see what the writer of Hebrews says. Because when the New Testament gives a commentary on the Old Testament, we should listen. Don't take my word for it. Hebrews chapter 1, 1 to 3. I'm going to take a peek there and then we'll jump to 2.10. 
God who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by His Son, whom He has appointed heir of all things, through whom also He made the worlds, who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person and upholding all things by the word of His power when He had by, when he had by Himself Purged our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. I want you to see the deity of Christ there, the creator God there. In 2.10, he picks it up. He says, for it was fitting for him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one. That means we're all human. Christ didn't come as a spirit. He didn't come. In, he came as one of us. The baby the major. He was a man. So both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one. We're, one, we're, we're people. For which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. And don't forget that. Verse 12, saying, I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will sing praise to you. Oh, okay, okay. So what did Psalm 22 say in verse 22? I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says, that's Christ. That writer of Hebrews didn't even say, that's David. Hebrews says, that's Christ. He goes on to say, and again, I will put my trust in him. And again, here I am in the children whom God has given me. Inasmuch then as the children have partakers of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who power, had power over, the de over death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For indeed, he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. Are we sure it's the Christ? Absolutely. Secondly, did the hounds of hell and the spiritual hosts of wickedness win? No. In Christ's work on the cross, through his death, what did Hebrews 2.14 say? said that he destroyed him who had the power of the death, of death, that is the devil. And not only did he defeat the devil, verse 15 says, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Bondage of what? The fear of death. Well, it's true about me. What about you? I used to drive around and see crosses on the side of the road and I'd get chill bunch go through me. I'd see somebody, somebody died there and I was afraid. I didn't know Christ. I was afraid of death. And I know people are afraid every time a new COVID variant comes out. Oh, no. Oh, no. Is this going to be the one that gets me? In Christ, we're released from that. There should be no longer a fear of death. Bring it on. I want to be with my Savior anyway. Let's go back to Psalm 22. So who are the seed of Abraham? We need to deal with that. Father Abraham had many sons. Verse 22, Christ is declaring God's name to his brethren. Verse 23, Christ exhorts those who fear the Lord to praise him. Christ exhorts the descendants of Jacob to glorify him. Christ exhorts the offspring of Israel to fear him. 
Is there any hope for us Gentiles? Huh? What's a Gentile to do? Help us out, Paul. Where are you, Paul? Oh, Galatians 3, 26 to 29. Listen to what Paul says. He says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is therefore neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Can you sing that song with great confidence? Father Abraham had many sons, and I'm one of them. Who are the seed of Abraham, the offspring of Israel, the descendants of Jacob? If you're in Christ, beloved, it's you. If not, put your faith in Christ today. So number four, the other technical issue we need to deal with here, are we wrong to say that the father turned his face away from Christ? Maybe you saw it in the text there. Because verse 22, God the Son says he's going to praise God the Father. In verse 23, he directs those who fear God, the seed of Abraham, to praise God. And then there's a four. Verse 24, here's the reason. Four. For he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. That's just another way of saying Isaiah 53.10. It says, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him, to crush him. What did the rest of 24 say? Nor has he hidden his face from him, but when he cried to him, he heard. So, so are we wrong? Did he turn his face from him or did he not? And I'm going to refer to John Gill's commentary here on his exposition of the entire Bible. If you wonder who John Gill is, he preached at Charles Spurgeon's church about 100 years before him. If you want some street cred, which we should. John Gill says concerning him, and I quote, Neither hath he hid his face from him, when he's speaking of that text, when men did as ashamed of him, he refers to Isaiah 53.3, that states, He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Esteem him. Gil continues, for though he forsook him for a while, and in a little wrath he'd hid his face from him for a moment, that he might bear the whole curse of the law for us, yet he returned again and did not hide his face from him forever. But when he cried unto him, he heard and cried not only on account of his crucifiers that God would forgive them, but, account of, but on account of himself that he would not be afar off from him, that he would take his spirit and, or, or soul into his hands into which he had committed it. You remember that from the cross? Father, into your hands I commit my spirit that he would deliver him from the power of death and the grave and loose their bands in which all and, and in all which he was heard, unquote. And I say, amen and amen. I'm going to accept it at that. The psalmist continues to sing in 25 to 26. Look at this. My praise shall be of you in the great assembly. I will, play, I will pay my vows before those who fear him. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. And those who seek him will praise the Lord. Let your hearts live forever. Have you ever considered who we sing with? This is twice now that the Lord is mentioned praising God in the midst of the assembly. Once in verse 22, now in verse 25, it says, and in the great assembly. 
The assembly of whom? Well, verse 22 says, the brethren. This word is assembly. This word assembly is also translated congregation. Do you think of the Lord Jesus Christ as your brother? Romans 8 teaches us that those who are saved have received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And Romans 8, 29 says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he, Jesus, might be the firstborn among, what? Many brethren. And what did Jesus tell his disciples? We looked at it this morning, praise God. Our Father, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What did Jesus teach the woman at the well in John 4, 23? He said, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth for the Father is seeking such to worship him. Oh, that this truth would change our worship. As we consider is it wrong to praise and worship Christ? Absolutely not. We see that in Scripture over and over. He received worship. The second person of the Trinity can do that. But it's not wrong to think that who we're singing with. As we praise the Father, we're singing with Christ. We're singing with our big brother. And it's amazing. It blows my mind to even, to even just to see it in the text. It's like, are you serious? Let's go praise the Lord. Oh, well, I don't know. I didn't really get much out of that worship. It wasn't about you. Maybe you weren't worshiping with your brother, the father of lights, to whom there is no shadow of turning. Huh? May it change our worship forever, folks. We speak of gathering our joining the heavenly host, don't we? Huh, to praise the Lord. But let us never forget the true worship leader, our big brother, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the true worship leader. Not only does Christ praise, but he pays. Look at 25b. He says, I will pay my vows before those who fear him. 26 says, the poor shall eat and be satisfied. And those who seek him will praise the Lord. Let your heart live forever. Beloved, Jesus paid the price for salvation with his very own blood. But for whom? Well, those who eat. Jesus said in John 6, 51, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If, if, if anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. Yes, beloved, seek the Lord while he may be found. There's a great promise here. If you do, you will praise the Lord. In spirit and in truth. The life Christ gives is eternal. He says, let your heart live forever. Christ praises the Father. He paid the debt. He also promises the future. There's six shall or will promises that we're going to look at from 27 to 31. The first one is in 27a. He says, all the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord. They shall. They will. 
What was the great promise of Psalm 2, 7 and 8? He says, I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. Number 2, 27b says, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you, for the kingdom is the Lord's, and he rules over the nations. What did the Lord promise Abraham in Genesis 12, 3? It says, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Galatians 3, 16 says, now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made, made. He does not say, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to your seed who is Christ. Don't you love how patient the Lord was with his disciples? I mean, over and over. Acts chapter 1, right before the Lord ascended to the right hand of the Father with one last ditch effort. Remember what the disciples said? They said, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of, to, to Israel? They were so preoccupied with Israel. And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and where else? To the end of the earth. Isn't that what Psalm 22 is teaching us? 27, all the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For the kingdom is the Lord's and he rules over the nations. Do you know what Jesus is called in Revelation 1 and verse 5? The faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth. Revelation 7, 9 to 10 says, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with right robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits unto the throne and to the Lamb. Is this teaching universalism here? That all people will be saved? Absolutely not. The Bible does not teach that. But it does teach that there will be people out of all four corners of the earth. Everyone will be saved out of all those areas. Every nation, every tribe, every tongue. It will happen. Worldwide missions has been God's plan all along. And I remind you what John Piper said in a book. He said missions exist because worship doesn't. God is interested in worship. Let's go be missionaries so the people will become true worshipers. God is worthy, is he not? Number three and 29, he says, All the prosperous of the earth shall eat and worship. What are true work riches? This word prosperous can be translated rich. It can be translated full of sap. But the definition is fat. The definition is fat. The King James Version actually reads, All that they be fat upon the earth shall eat and worship. Eating and worshiping was standard operating procedure in the Old Testament with all the feast days and the sacrifices. 
You remember the priest Eli, his wicked sons? They were supposed to have a hook with one hook. They wanted a three-prong hook. Give me some more meat. Remember? Eli, the priest, he was physically fat and he died. He fell over and he broke his neck. True riches, beloved, are having Christ. That's true riches. That's being prosperous. You want the prosperity gospel? It's having Christ, not things. And what do we do every time we come to the Lord's table? Huh? We eat and we worship, do we not? Because we're prosperous. If we have Christ, we eat and we worship. And I hope that you take it seriously when we come before the Lord and we eat and we worship. And our pastor says, hey, check your heart. If you have sin, you know what? Sometimes the best thing that we need to do is not eat and worship and deal with our sin. Do we ever do that? Do you see that much? Nah, everybody, let's roll them through. Let's get them through. Let's go sit down, whatever. And I'm talking to myself here. Number four, second part of 29, says all those who go down to the dust shall bow before him, even he who cannot keep himself alive. I don't know where you're at today, but I do know if your heart is hard and you could care less, and quite frankly you wish I'd shut up, you, my friend, will bow down to Christ. There's a time coming that you will. Philippians 2, Paul speaks of Christ's humiliation and his exaltation. And God gave him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth. That every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Revelation 20, 10 to 15, it says the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged. Each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the, into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Beloved, bow the knee now. Why not do it now? Bow the knee now before it's too late. Fifthly, verse 30, it says, A posterity shall serve him. A posterity or a seed shall serve him. A Barna Group survey found that 38% of pastors are seriously considering leaving full-time ministry. And that's up 29% from just 11 months ago. A report by Ryan Burge with Christianity Today said that the ranks of religiously unaffiliated, also called the nuns, have grown from just 5% in the early 1970s to at least 30% in 2020. 
You guys, no matter the statistics, no matter how many pews or how many chairs are available, a seed shall serve him. Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Seeds are seemingly small and insignificant. Like Jesus said, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on the earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants. Don't be discouraged when we see everything that's going on with the world. The, 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 we see some assemblies that are just huge in nature, but they don't preach the gospel. Don't be discouraged because a, a seed shall serve him. And the seed that serves the Lord is the servant of the Lord. Which is a kinder, it's a more gentle, gentler way of saying slave. It's no different in the New Testament. Paul, what does he say? A bondservant of Christ. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ. Philemon, a fellow laborer. James, a bondservant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Simon, Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Are you a servant of the Lord? We should be. If we're that seed, we should serve Him. In some way, some shape, some manner, some form. That should be us. So what does the servant of Christ do? Look at 30, the second half of 30. A seeder shall serve Him. It will be recounted of the Lord to the next generation. They will come and declare his righteousness to a people who will be born that he has done this. The servant of the Lord will come and declare his righteousness. They will carry out Christ's mission to go into all the world preaching the gospel. They will be concerned to reach the next generation. They will be confident because the sovereign Lord of all the universe promised 3,000 years ago that his message of redemption will be declared to people who will be born and look at us now. We're fulfilling this. Not in our own strength, but because of him who is able. The one who promised it so long ago. Here we are. Be encouraged, beloved. He hasn't failed, and he won't fail. Think of every world power that has come and gone. Every institution comes and goes. All the great people in history, they come and they go. They're gone like the wind. Beloved, our lives are like a vapor that appears for a, a little time, and it vanishes away. Let it be said of us, let it be said of each one of us that we serve the Lord Jesus Christ in our generation. We pass the light on to the next. Let's tell the world that he has done this. Just like the text says. This is Advent. This is the time that we celebrate Christ. We're waiting for his second return. Let us be amongst those who are his servants. If you're here today, you kids, if you're hearing, if you're listening, if Christ is dealing with your heart, cry out to him. Cry out to him. 
Don't harden your heart. If the Lord is dealing with you, cry out to the Lord. We don't give invitations around here. We've been saying, come all along. Christ Jesus died on the cross to save sinners. Is he dealing with you this morning? Then come. Come to Christ right where you're at. Cry out to him and become a true worshiper. Let's stand and let's pray. Father, we thank you so much, Lord. We thank you for your great grace. We thank you for Christ crucified, buried, dead, risen. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your word that promises the future and it happens. You're not a God, O oh Lord, that looks and can tell what happens. You're the God who proclaims what happens and it happens. And we praise your holy name for it this morning. Father, I pray that you would save. You do with what you said you was going to do, what you came to do. Jesus Christ came to the world to save sinners. And we praise your holy name. Amen.